the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. Look in the eyes to see. Look in me straight to leave. You give me all I need. So give me courage to believe. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. You're in the neighborhoods we live in. You're in the ones we're passing by. You're in the ones we call our neighbors. And the ones who still escape our eyes. Now here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with someone, and, and Benita and I are going to be arguing a little bit today. Just yes, get ready. Are. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're in the studio today to celebrate yeah. Our guest, yes, who is an amazing uh, person and um, and who also happens to be a survivor and an advocate at the at the country level. We'll t- we'll introduce you to him in just a moment, but before we do, of course, we have my partner in justice, Benita Hopkins. Hello, hello, hello! <laughs> Excited today, yes. yes. <laughs> so, what we're going to be arguing about is whether <laughs> I'm a bigger fan or she is, um, and, and 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 it's you know. It's not without cause, right? Uh, we are really here to celebrate Harry D'Souza, who is the appointed co-chair of the U.S. Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. He is a survivor of labor trafficking and debt bondage in the United States, and he comes to us from India. He's going to tell you a little bit about his story. He's been here for many, many years making a difference in the area of human trafficking, but he's going to take us back and kind of share with us how this all started, and uh, and Harry, we're just just so grateful to have you here with us. Oh, thank you for uh, giving me giving me an opportunity to talk to you all. Yeah. I'm very happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we we just so so I had the good uh, fortune of seeing you speak at the South Bay Coalition. Uh, it was uh, I forget the name of the, uh, the conference, conference yeah. but um, it was an amazing conference. Um, so all, yeah. a ton of different breakouts and. Um, uh, the 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 work that went into that Bonita you and the rest of the coalition members um just fantastic and Harry was our keynote for lunch labor of love yeah yeah, yeah. Harold Anderson tears for sure <laughs> yeah 
And I, I just I just started calling you Harry, huh? Did, how did I do that? <laughs> She's trying to work. I can tell you what happened. She's trying to get some brownie points. That's right. That's like, what it is. This is my buddy, That's Harry. That's what it is. But I, okay, here we go. But I had the distinct pleasure of being his host for the time he was here. I know. I'm so jealous. Um, yeah, you it guys a went to a, a play, right? Yeah. With Stacey. Yes. And I heard yes. that was yeah. amazing. How was that for you, Harry? Uh, Harry? I'm sorry, watching that play um, before, or I think it was the night before the yes. conference, right? Yeah, How was. was that for you? Oh, it was amazing. It was uh, very touching. And it like uh, boiled down to a lot of emotions, feelings, and sentiments for me. And uh, it really transpired like even from a negative, how we can change into a positive. So mm-hmm. it was very inspiring with all the pains how it can be transformed to pleasure, how it can be transformed from darkness to light and from slavery to freedom. Yes. That positive thing I really admire. Yes, yes. And so, you know, this, the the love offering, the labor of love that Stacy did and that others are doing uh, as survivor leaders in the community uh, is really, I think that's exactly what it is, is, you know, sometimes it's painful to share your story. And yet right. when you are in a place of where you've got some healing under your belt and you're, you're restored enough to the level and stabilized enough to the level that you can share, knowing that it, it's something that, I, you know, as a survivor of abuse myself, I'm compelled to do um, because I know that uh, in seeing the healing that others receive, I receive more healing. Mm-hmm. Do you have that perspective when you share your story, Harold? Yes. Initially, it was a struggle for me, I'll be very honest. Uh, and I think it's, it's, that's something that's normal and should be, like, happens to anyone. But down the road, like, whenever I, I started sharing my story and started helping people, it was more fulfilling for me. It gave me more joy, more happiness. Yes. And it was more therapeutic. To be honest. Yeah, that's how I feel about it, too. And there are some days where I'm like, eh, I don't really want to go into this detail or that detail. But uh, it's definitely uh, therapeutic, as you said. So in your bio, you share that um, you and your family were exploited at the hands of a trafficker for one hundred and thirty three months. We were for almost 18 months. But by the time I got my freedom, it was one hundred and thirty three months. Wow. 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 So uh, t- I, I don't know what parts you want you, you know, you feel like sharing today, but if there are things that you want are the listening audience to know, I think sometimes we tend to just think about trafficking and only think of the sex trafficking scenarios. And it's really important for us to hear uh, about what are the tactics that are being used to um, trick, coerce, um, and fraud, fraud coercion mm-hmm. and and threatening, you know, those tactics that are used to um, bring someone into a place of trafficking, whether it's sex or labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you know, what, what would you like to share with the listening audience so that they might gain some insight in that regard? Yeah, I usually want to share is that in the United States of America, labor trafficking and dead bondage is a very big industry mm-hmm. and the perpetrators does three things he manipulates he tricks and he traps you yep and most of the people who are in who are involved in labor trafficking 
in America are foreign nationals. Mm-hmm. And many of them do not know the culture. Mm-hmm. They do not know the law and order. They do not know how this country operates. And the perpetrator takes full advantage of the situation. Yep. And like it happened to me, like I came on four things. I always say I came on a trust, I came on a faith, I came on a promise, and I came to live my American dream. Mm. And once you are in this country, it's it's totally a different game. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it takes a lot of time for, especially for a foreign national to to digest how this whole system works. And the laws are so different. In fact, this country is really beautiful. It's uh, the freedom of speech, the freedom of life. I believe is one of the best in the world. Yeah. But if you are manipulated, tricked and trapped in the initial stages and brainwashed, I think then the outcome of your life is totally different. Right. And most of the people in labor trafficking have always got that fear factor that that they cannot live without the shelter of the perpetrator because they always they always been termed as illegal right yeah that's the terminology used in the in the market of the labor trafficking that they're always they're not used by their name they're always called as illegal mm-hmm. yeah and this per- perpetrators are very smart to nurture that of the of a victim you know and yeah, when but- they say about illegal then they say you're a criminal yeah, and so they tear away your identity and replace it with a lie. Right. And, right. And you you emphasized that in when you shared um, during your lunch keynote that that um, you had the hardest time embracing that you were Harold D'Souza mm. and not an illegal and not a criminal. And can I just say too for the listening on it, audience that Harold is a well educated an experienced person yep. in sales management. He has a master's of commerce and postgraduate work. So we're not speaking of someone who was brought here who did not have um, an education. Yeah. He has an education and this still happened yeah. to him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I love that you emphasize that because we tend to want to, mm-hmm come to judgments yes. in order to make it okay. Right. And, um, and, and actually what's interesting, I've, I've really spent some time reflecting on those judgments and they come from a place of having an exploitative mm. core mm. that likes to look at things from the inside out mm. and put them in boxes and categories so that we can do different things that we want to do to people and to things right. that, that are not um, showing the love and the respect and honor that all are due. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, it is, um, it is clear to me that, um, you know, I mean, look at what, uh, Harry has accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are Harry's all over the world that mm-hmm. have so much to offer. Um, and yet they're s- sitting in a, a, or working, uh, you know, being exploited somewhere mm-hmm. in some way, mm-hmm. right under our noses. And because we've, come away with these judgments and saying, oh, well, they must want that or they must deserve right. that or they must not be smart enough or they must yeah. not. What did they, they do to deserve that? Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And so when we come back, we're going to take a break. And I want to talk about um, the tactics that were used to um, trick you and your family and what you see from others, you know, that are also uh, maybe this a different strategy that it, you've been noticing uh, that are that's being used to bring people into uh, uh, labor trafficking. I also want to drill down on this image that was burned into my mind of a elephant's leg being tied by a, a small, a little tiny rope, mm. and the power. Oh, yeah, you, you you put that up on the screen, and 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 the power of uh, uh, brainwashing mm-hmm. and and mental enslavement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we'll, we'll touch on those topics in the next session. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Harold D'Souza, who is the appointed co-chair of the U.S. Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. He is a survivor leader, survivor advocate, who is talking about labor trafficking and debt bondage and the tactics that are used to enslave foreign internationals uh, and... um, and uh, foreign nationals and and really um, the goal is not just to uh, share a message about labor trafficking, but just about uh, humanity, the value of a person and the importance of freedom and the journey from enslavement to freedom, whether it's, tra- you know, labor trafficking or sex trafficking. And I, I love that you share this passion just for for freedom. Right, um, Harold. And, and so tell us some more yeah. about um you know, we, we talked in the last segment, you know, what are the ways in which someone uh, can be tr- tricked, coerced uh, into uh, the labor trafficking, uh, into a labor trafficking situation? Uh, mostly the perpetrators, they know the background or the psychology of all the victims, whoever they are from whichever country they come. And I'll give a small example, like in my case, mine is an arranged marriage. So most of most of the victims, they come only on trust, faith, and and they just believe whatever the perpetrator tells. So the perpetrator will 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 try to break it on. He tries to he likes to control. Mm-hmm. So mostly in case of labor trafficking, I'm talking of if it's a restaurant, it's a gas station, it's a convenience store, or it's a motel, or maybe in it could be agriculture. Wherever they have this of victims of slavery of labor trafficking they provide accommodation mm. so accommodation is just next door but see they have a reason because number 1 labor is available 24 hours mm. right number 2 that the victim will not run away he doesn't have to worry about accommodation mm-hmm. he's got a shelter right so he doesn't need any and this mostly the Payments is done by the is taken care by the perpetrator, mm-hmm. so the victim doesn't need any money to pay the rent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's how. But that's that's a trick, mm-hmm. right? He says, "Why do you need salary? Right, I'm I take taking care, care of your expenses. I'm right. taking care of your meals. He'll give you the basic meals, basic necessities, and you don't need to travel. You don't need a car because you just cross or you're just in the premises, right? 
and mostly in labor trafficking i've, I've seen it i've experienced it and it's still going on the perpetrator holds the salary for minimum 6 months to 1 year mm. that's very 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 common mm. and what happens it image just pays the victim 10 dollars 20 dollars here and there and he'll say you know i'll keep it in my safe custody mm. when you don't have a bank account so whenever you go back i'll i'll give it i'll give it to you wow but then what happens you surrender right you are at his mercy and you know that all my cash is with him mm. and then he he makes you work like almost 16 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days yeah. that's one number two like if you are a, if you are a victim and if you have come through mexico or you have come through some other country and if he has brought you from another state he'll say i spent so much money on you so you owe me so much money yeah. they create an artificial debt yeah and that could be even in terms of lodging and boarding down the road they might not tell you initially but down the road they may say oh you owe me so much rent you owe me so much uh, for the duke energy and they create all this debt which they are very good at it yeah so they and, they okay go yeah. ahead yeah keep going no no yeah you can you can you can actually and yeah. then what happens i've seen that uh, mostly the uh, victims they keep on traveling from one state to another yeah moving you around yeah yes so that there's no friendships that you develop uh, people that you might tell right or no tracking yeah, that is one thing to... is that you don't uh, you don't have any uh, networking or uh, relationship mm-hmm. number one number two like maybe after six months or one year the perpetrator is happy because he he doesn't have to pay you anything right you're going to another state Gotcha. and he'll he'll get a replacement hmm. i see so you know kind of uh knows that after a while he'll be found out so it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be better to move you elsewhere and, yes, and then he'll on. get some other victim and put him there and he's safe and he says okay i'm I, i've used you so now just uh, i know we're using the term he you know just generically right it, it, right labor trafficking um traffickers uh perpetrators can be women or men correct right and um and so i i want to go back to a vulnerability or it sounded like you were calling out a vulnerability that um was preyed upon you said that you came from an arranged marriage do you think that that was something that the um trafficker was honing in on in order to target you no he knew my he knew my background like my psychology like he took advantage of my uh honesty and my trust like yeah. the day i landed he asked me like do you have any cash ah see i had i had get $1000 cash with me yeah and so oh, this is harold uh, this is america it's not safe so give me all your money documents i'll keep it in safe custody and uh, give it back to you whenever you need it right and i just gave it like thinking oh it's in the bank locker i can get it whenever i need it right mm-hmm. but <laughs> that was a trap that was right. a trick yeah exactly Which i always tell to a uh, message to the community or people who are listening that never ever give your documents yeah to anyone yes and your personal belongings like expenses of cash whatever it is you know you have the full right to keep it right yep that's one and number two is that you should be well aware like i didn't know about social security card mm-hmm. i was not aware i didn't know what it was Right. For so many years. <laughs> yeah. And so Then when I got out of the situation and when I was trying to get a job, 
that is when i realized that you need an ssn number yes mm. and i didn't know what was an ssn like you know like i didn't know then today i know everything okay you need ssn number you need a work permit you need a state id and so do you think that um i'm just thinking of you know me i'm 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 all about prevention education and so it, you know, when you came over on the plane, was there anything special about your plane ticket or about that process that could have um, been an entrance point for a document that would have educated you on the fact that you need a Social Security card in order to work um, legally in the United States and that you should not give your documents to anybody or your money to anybody? Was there any point of, of entrance that some, you know, a, a government agency or a nonprofit could have provided you with some information that might have changed the outcome? Yes, definitely. See, I came in 2003. So at that time, it was not there. I think right now, the immigration and a lot of like what you all are doing and a lot of nonprofit organizations are working on that where even a, a small uh, card written like in for the hotline numbers or that mm-hmm. you don't give your documentations that you need a work permit you need social security cards and these are your rights you get paid per hour yeah or you've got to work for 40 hours a week yep all those, those laws that people would know if right. i mean how would you know that right unless somebody informed you when you came right and i think like this small things like uh, whenever i think any uh, individual coming from any other country even on a work visa or in maybe on a travel just for a, a pleasure trip or a business yeah, trip yeah tourist visa even a tourist visa also yeah. right yeah they should be aware of their rights and responsibilities so maybe that's you know when you go into um customs you know and there's mm-hmm. that pr- that process maybe mm-hmm. having something there that basically says, hey, um, these are your rights. I don't know if that's happening today. Or someone asks you that question. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think the the thing that is probably troublesome in that scenario is that um, the person is probably scared. Uh, you know, um, if I say the wrong thing, then, um, you know, I could get in trouble because, you know, the whole process is, I mean, it's even, it's scary for me and I'm a U.S. citizen and I'm like, Oh my gosh! They're going through all my bags. They've yeah. got these dogs, right. and, you right. know, and it's, right. it's stressful, right? right? And and then right. imagine if you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. and then you know you're coming from another country, and you know, depending on how Americanized that country is, mm-hmm. it can be very intimidating, right? Yeah, right. But maybe saying something like, um, "We have here's a card in case you have questions," um, and having someone. Uh, who speaks, you know, different languages, right. uh, you know, 20 different translations, localized that 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 800 number. Right. And ha- allowing people to call and, you know, and, and ask some questions from a white courtesy phone if they have some or right. something. Right. Right. You know, here I go. I'm designing something. <laughs> um, but anyway, I you know, for me, it's all about prevention education. And actually, um, I want to talk some more about that. So you were able to sit in on the uh, protect uh, uh, work a breakout at that conference as well. And um, I was so grateful to have you there. And uh, when it concluded, you came to me and said, we've got to, you know, we've got to figure out how to scale this and how to get this out. And um, I, I really want to explore a little bit more of that with you because we, you know, so, so some of the things that have happened in the last 
I'd say last couple of uh, weeks have been tremendous. First off, we have a uh, actually have a number for our Senate bill, Senate Bill 1227, Yay. which, oh, okay. yeah, so Senator Bonta um, uh, co-authored it, this bill, um, and Ashley Bryant really took the lead from Protect, from the Protect team, and this bill is actually uh, requiring that the state of California provide prevention education for children, um, starting in the fifth grade on up. Great. And, um, wow, that's good. isn't that amazing? And so, yes. and there's several parameters and, you know, there's things about, you know, what happens when someone is identified as having been trafficked in some, some services that they need to be provided. Uh, there's a metrics model, uh, that's inserted in the bill, which certainly is part of protect and, um, and, uh, you know, the, the need to not just train the kids, but also the teachers, the, the, um, classified workers, the administrators, everybody has to be trained. Cause guess what? If you just train a, a child and then right. the child comes and meets with, uh, let's say someone in the cafeteria who hasn't been trained and that's the person they choose to disclose to, yeah. where do you think that's going to go? Right. right? So right, right. you've got to create a, a systematic mm-hmm. um, enablement or uh, uh, education, um, prevention education uh, platform for everyone in the community in order to ensure the safety of that community. And so anyway, um, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to drill down a little bit into what your what your thoughts were on as when you when you listen to what you heard about Protect, what you thought about it. And how you think uh, we might be able to take advantage of it, not just in California, but in the nation. So we'll come back and we'll hear a little bit more from Harold D'Souza. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Harold D'Souza, who is the appointed co-chair of the U.S. Advisory Council on Human Trafficking. And we are um, just uh, so grateful to be learning more about the issue of labor trafficking specifically. I wanted to drill down into a couple of things that you shared in your um, in your bio and uh, just some great things that you're you're doing in the community. In 2008, you worked at the Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center in their medical center as a senior supply chain associate, and and you are the founding mem- member of the National Survivor Network, uh, CAST, right. right? And right. and you're active in many different local anti-trafficking uh, organizations. So you're not, uh, you know, you're speaking out about your experience and then you're putting your hands to the plow mm-hmm. and working uh, to address this issue of human trafficking. Um, and, and thank you for that. Uh, so grateful that you are doing that. Have you gone back to your country and shared some of your story and... Um, and what you know, and and maybe begin to illuminate ways that people can be more safe. I asked him that same question. <laughs> yes, that has been the purpose of my life. To be honest, after what I went through, and after seeing so many people, I've worked with more than hundred uh, immigrants here and in labor trafficking. The biggest problem in labor, labor trafficking, where I've seen ladies and men being trafficked, the biggest problem is the stigma. Mm. and especially in my country India it's a very big stigma 
yeah. and nobody shares the true story yeah. and no one knows that this happens so this was really burning inside my heart and that's how i started being being an advocate and i started creating awareness back in india like that's why i like your uh, thing on protect mm-hmm. i enjoyed attending that seminar because i also believe in uh, prevention and education yes and i started that back in india like you have the i started through the press all over india yes there have been a lot of press articles across india and then i have done few lot of presentations yes. in uh, colleges schools uh, community members faith based organizations in my hometown educating people like look at me like i am an educated guy from india and what happened to me and uh, that really shook a lot of people yes. people were really taken back and they said oh you need to think twice you just can't take any offer anyone offers you right and just google now we are so high tech technology that you can google a lot of stuff yes. or you can contact a lot of people and what happened in my situation especially here i've seen that when a person is involved in labor trafficking or dead bondage four things happens a person loses his voice he loses his courage hope and freedom so today i'm just trying to be the voice hope and courage for all the victims and plus to create awareness for the general public back in different countries it could be i want to do it in india nepal pakistan cameroon hmm. because these are the countries they are many people are it's a question that many people are educated many people are even if they're educated they just it's a human nature to come to america they are just they they'll come with their eyes i did it and in today people in my country they tell me also that if there is heaven like uh, uh, america is paradise america is heaven america mm-hmm. is swarg swarg means heaven yeah so yeah that's the perception. i i it, so it, last week we had a guest on a survivor leader on that was came from a very affluent uh community community and you know and seemingly you know stable family and everything you know that one might quote unquote need uh-huh. and want as a US citizen and even then what what we find is whenever you have a need or a want in there lies a vulnerability and it doesn't matter whether you're educated or you're not educated whether you come from an affluent household or not non you know a impoverished household when you have a need and a want there is an opportunity for someone to come in through that need and that want and to take the relationship in a different direction than what it than the way it's supposed to go and that i think is the key piece you know when you talk about shame when you talk about the stigma it, you know we have to push back on that and say have you ever had a need or a want mm. if you've yeah. ever had a need or a want and you then you were susceptible and vulnerable to mm-hmm. be tricked yep. uh how many of you have purchased diet pills mm-hmm. wanting you know on a need or a want to lose weight mm-hmm. what if those pills were given to you as a way to make you sick mm. so that you were dependent on a doctor and had to pay that doctor mm. to to make you well isn't that a form of exploitation mm-hmm. right you know what what if you have a need for uh you know the the obvious things like housing or like clothing or like food or a job opportunity um those are ways obviously predators are going to come right on in there and try to 
um, mask, you know, try to uh, be the great pretender and and capture your time and your you you know capture you away um, depending on how you know how vulnerable you are. Mm-hmm. And so I always like to just kind of emphasize that, you know, and, and, and really bring it home because we tend to be, you know, sit in our ivory towers and look down on people and not realize that we all have these vulnerabilities. And I could find them. I could go and ask, you know, somebody says uh, someone can be very rich and you say, uh, what do you like? What's your need? What's your want? Why well, want to make more money? Well, let me tell you about this thing that mm-hmm. I could do. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and you know what? Well, we maybe could do together. Or we could do together. Mm-hmm. And maybe you, you, maybe you losing $500,000 or a million dollars in a business transaction if you're a multimillionaire isn't a big deal. But you still got exploited. Mm-hmm. You still got played. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so, you know, be, you know the, the Bible tells us, you know, he who is without sin, cast your first, the first stone or, you know, or take the plank out of your own eye right mm-hmm. before you look out of other, you know, look in the eyes of others. And it's that same concept. We all are vulnerable mm-hmm. in some way. Would you agree, Harold? Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And so just thinking about prevention education. So it sounds like you've done a lot of work in India and I know when you and I talked after the Protect Work uh, workshop, you said, "I want to bring, I want to bring this to India." Wow! I was like, "Oh my gosh, that would be so cool!" In particular, what 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 keeps coming up for me is the the seventh grade module. I love because it's a universal module, mm-hmm. and and so much of Benita my my heart poured into that one mm-hmm. because uh, that that was one of the modules that um, that we got to contribute to directly, and it's all about. Um, the uh, making sure that the student knows their value and their mm-hmm. worth, and, uh, and that they have uh, the right. right to set boundaries. That they are a masterpiece. Yes, <laughs> that's literally what it's about. And uh, and it, originally, when that was a piece of the of Love Never Fails curriculum, we talked about it from the standpoint of being a house. Mm-hmm. It is now we've evolved uh, the curriculum to m- make it more of a reference to a piece of artwork, which is also a masterpiece, like a Mona Lisa mm-hmm. uh, or Van Gogh or whatever. But originally, it was a, this this concept of a house being a masterpiece and how the builder uh, made it in a certain mm-hmm. way, and mm-hmm. and how there's a fence around it to protect it. And, um, and so I just, I, I can see little girls and boys from India sitting around and us talking about how they are this masterpiece and they're valuable and they're important and, and, and that, and no one has the right to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be awesome? We have India and we have Ghana. Ghana. Yes! <laughs> we got big plans, Harold. We just need a, a private jet. You got a private jet? <laughs> I bet the hospital, the Cincinnati Children's Hospital, has a helicopter or something. That's right. Oh, can you imagine taking a helicopter to India, no, Harold? I cannot. <laughs> I've been to India and the helicopter will not work. Not for me anyway. <laughs> A 21-hour helicopter ride. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I took a uh, two-hour helicopter ride over the oh. Grand Canyon and oh, got wow. sick. Wow. Two hours? Two hours looking at Man. it and got That's sick. Fantastic. I bet. Yeah. 
I bet. Yeah. So, wow. but can you imagine to India? I would no. be, oh, you know, bent over backwards. So, <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more about prevention education in the U.S. and uh, some of the things that we're doing there, and some of your insight. I'd love to get your input on how we how we approach this, and and we'll be right back with another session of Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We're in the studio today with Harold D'Souza, and I am his greatest fan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is going to go on and on. I can see it. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, Harold, so you were sharing that... um, when you sat in on the protect workshop, there were instances that you thought, um, you know, different red flags that could have been raised that might've made a different, um, uh, created a different outcome for yourself. And, and just tell me a little bit more about, um, uh, how that felt for you and how you see that playing out here in the U S. Yeah. I was so touched with your presentation that the first thing that struck to me was that, Maybe I could have got rescued quite early because in we never saw snow in our life mm-hmm. in India. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know that. Right. So we were so excited. We saw snow for the first time here in the U.S. in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And the during the first snow, my kids went to school and my kids didn't. We get a note from the school teacher for both my sons that both my sons cannot come to school if they do not wear snow jackets. Oh, Wow. And we didn't know what is snow jackets. <laughs> mm. So they had sweaters from India, but they were like see-through. Mm. Oh. So like, now when, I, when you were talking about the Prevention Act, which you're doing in the school, I think like this could have created a red flag. Wow. You're blowing you know, my mind. You know, for the teacher or really, yes. you know, <laughs> in, in, the, in the school community. And But my chef, he got the, like, he bought two snow jackets for my son and he gave it to us, and my son went to the school. And next day, we get a note from the teacher for both my sons that they cannot come to school if they do not wear a snow gloves. So they had gloves, but they were again those woolen gloves from India. So these are certain small things, like, but I think it's a very huge thing that can change the life of a student or of a victim. He even shared with me along those lines, you know, they walked, they didn't have a means of transportation, so they walked everywhere they went. Yeah. So he and his wife walked the two boys to school through the inches and inches of snow that Cincinnati can have, and people would just, you know, stop and offer them rides. And to them, that was like such a blessing. Yeah. You know, and such a aha moment. Right. You know? But, you know, those poor people probably didn't even know. The yeah. whole situation. And what if we would have had a parent education mm-hmm. um, that uh, would have allowed those people that were picking them up right. on the way to say, huh, I want, let me just ask a few questions. Exactly. You That's know, what like, I'm saying. Yes. What, are you guys right. working on getting a car? You right. know, there's a nice way to say, right. you know, um, have you guys, do you have your license? Right. You know, right. um, you know, be a little nosy. It's all right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. In and, this day and age, yes. And, and you know, I mean, not to the point of being rude or, right. or disrespectful, but just asking those questions and having the dialogue mm-hmm. 
is so key. And then the, and and then, the questions to ask and knowing the questions to ask. Yeah. Um, and, and the other piece that I think uh, you bring up a really good point is that um, I think many times in a school setting, we tend to lean on a more punitive mm. response. Mm. You don't mm-hmm. have the right sweater. Right. You can't come. Right. As opposed to you Why don't, don't have you the have? right sweater. Right. Yeah. Let me refer you to somebody. Exactly. And and this is what I'm, I mean, I'm so all about this, I can't even tell you. Uh, yes, I, I love the fact that we're doing the prevention education at the state level, but what I love equally is that there are these nonprofits that are in the community that we get to bring to the table that are coordinated as part of de- the delivery of Protect, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that we can say, hey, when we do find instances of neglect, we don't want to put, put, put children in a foster home, right. uh, you know, unnecessarily, right. um, that's not that's not the, the, what this is about. This right. is about, oh, you, you're noticing somebody's clothes aren't laundered or you're noticing that someone doesn't have the right clothing um, or doesn't have lunch or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How can the community wrap around that person to, number one, make sure that they themselves are not being trafficked? Right. And are, you know, and then if there are needs, vulnerabilities, how can the community come in and begin to wrap around those needs? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know I, I think about things like um, someone will may, may say, well, this person is abusive. They're verbally abusive to their children. Well, you know, when I look at the person, the person has a mental health disorder. The person never had parents that ra- I'm talking about the uh, the the mother or the mm-hmm. father mm-hmm. never had parents that um, were around. They weren't taught to be parented. They are living in poverty. So there's no vacations and there's no self-care and those there's no break time. And maybe there's five kids there. So if and you have working a, three jobs and they're working three jobs. And so if they come home and they scream their head off, not saying it's OK, but, you know, there's a reason why they are so stressed out. Mm -hmm. And so how can we come alongside them and say, Hey, why don't you take a break? And, or here, I made you something to eat. You know, your family, something to eat. I'm I'm just going to make it my business. If you're okay with it, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to impose, but on Thursdays, I'm going to bring over a, a plate of lasagna for you and your kids. Mm -hmm. So that when you come home, you don't, after your three jobs, you're not cooking. Right. And screaming at the kids and yelling at them, right. you know. So anyway, so um, I I love that. I love yeah. that you highlighted that that red flag could have come out earlier. I did wonder whether your children were in school. So were they in school during those the complete time? Yeah, but like we had a tough time. We didn't know. See, we didn't know the culture. We didn't know how the school system operates. And that time, like we could not even pick up our kids. Like when the come from the school, like somebody has to be there to pick them up. We we went through a very rough patch and that's again, like uh, comes down to education. Yes. And, uh, and now when I think back, I always like, I didn't have that guilt feeling, you know, like uh, the biggest problem for a victim is the guilt. Mm-hmm. And they, they can't come out, they cannot talk, they cannot share. Because he or she always feels that, because I always say I failed on three fronts, like, you know, as a parent, as a provider, as a protect, protector. Mm-hmm. So that's not only about me. It happens to all the victims. Again, I've seen them. I've experienced them. And they feel very ashamed to talk because they feel that they, they did a lot of uh, wrong stuff for their own family or for their own uh, family members. Yeah. 
And do you and, still uh, carry that with you today? That that feeling of of guilt and shame. It, it does. It does. Uh, I do that, but then I always said, I always, I always pray, you know, like I always tell that I'm a sinner, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, so like we all that are. Is a part of my life, but then I try to see what best I can do for my kids today. Right. Yes. So I, I try to live my life every second. I'll be very honest. So I don't lose any opportunity to give anything back to my kids every second. I don't wait. Yes. Yeah, and your children, um, I've seen a couple of videos that your, uh, I believe it's your oldest son has done um, as he's taken on this issue and uh, and just, he's an advocate, he's a leader. Um, wow, you must be so proud. And and mm-hmm. he, he sh- there was one video I saw on YouTube of him talking about how, again, another red flag is that he couldn't see the board. And so mm-hmm. his grades were not good, but and nobody right. knew that he needed glasses. Right. And and so when he finally got the glasses, his grades went, you know, went up and he had more confidence and and look at him now and, he's soaring. Yeah. And so, you know, I think what I see now, I mean, the, what what you know, the, the Bible says what the enemy meant for bad, God uses for good in Genesis fifty twenty, And and I see that even though you endured this pain, the leadership that I see in, in your boy uh is is nothing that you can create with an Ivy League education or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a life experience that is so powerful mm-hmm. and so anointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only imagine what will come. Yeah, that's what, like, whenever I do presentations in the U.S. or in outside the country, I just tell to people, like, you just need two things in life. Number one, you need to be mentally strong. And number two, you need to be spiritually strong. Mm-hmm. And then you might be in any type of a situation. It could be in human trafficking. It could be a broken relationship. You could have health problems. You could have poverty. You might be physically disabled. Then even if you're financially weak and you don't have physical stability also, but if you are mentally and spiritually strong, you can overcome and gain success and be happy. So I want to pray for you, um, Harold, you and your family, because I want you to be completely, I, I heard that you are walking daily and walking out that shame, but any survivors that might be listening, labor trafficking or uh, sex trafficking survivors, or just people, just anybody who's walking in that shame that's keeping you burdened, I want to pray for you, Harold, and your family, as well as those that are listening. Lord Jesus, we come before mm-hmm. you and we are so grateful uh, for Harold and for his family and for the strength that you've provided provided them, God, I pray that they would be set free from any past regrets, God, that they would not take it upon themselves, uh, self-blaming, God. They mm-hmm. would know that that you're in the de- details and things that looked um, like uh, they were a failure, let's say, are actually a success because mm-hmm. you are in it and you're using it to bring about an awareness to those that are in need right now, Lord. I pray that you would just widen their territory and you would strengthen them as they go. Lord, I pray that they would be safe and that they would be prosperous, God. Mm -hmm. I thank you for their lives, and I ask that you would bless them with a peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to go to break, and uh, we'll be right back with another session of Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And 
and welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We want to thank you. Harold, we love you. Thank yes. you so much. I def- thank you. I definitely understand now why you have been a, a founding member of the National Survivor Network. Thank you so much. And we will be in touch really soon. Thank you. And if you, thank um, you very much. If you love Harold as much as we do, yes. uh, please vote for him. He has been nominated for the ICANN Award. Go to ICANNAward.com. He's been nominated as the best volunteer. Yes. And that will be um, actually shared in Chicago on March 18th. Please yes. do um, please vote do support him. him. And if you'd like him to come out and speak at an event, reach out to us. Uh, you can reach us at Vanessa at loveneverfailsus.com and we'll get you in touch with him. Um, we want to make sure that you're um, aware of some events going on. Uh, March 7th, County of San Mateo Provider Conference, and that is 8.30 to 4 p.m. at the San Francisco uh, South San Francisco Conference Center. Reach out to Benita for more information. Benita at loveneverfailsus.com. And then, of course, the Silicon Valley Prayer Breakfast, March 31st. I'll be sharing a little bit of my testimony there. Um, and that's from 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. at the Hyatt Regency. And you can register uh, pick, yes. at the Santa in Santa Clara. And you can register on the Silicon Valley Prayer Breakfast page. Uh, we want to thank you, invite you to um, join us in prayer. Be uh, there with us at events and uh, like our pages. And, of course, if you haven't heard it from us in the past, we want to make sure that you know that you, you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. Our theme song, Courage to Believe, is by Justin McRoberts. Hear more about his passion for justice and art at justinmcroberts.com. Our audio engineer is Jarrell Martin, and this is Dave Naderhood. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, Thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. You were in the neighborhoods we live in. You were in the ones we're passing by. You were in the ones we call our neighbors, and the ones who still escape our eyes. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.